When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Dad, I'm broke. Hey, broke. I'm Dad. Dad. Okay, don't you have cash saved up from babysitting? No, I spent it. I want my own bank account from S&T Bank. They offer free ATMs, Zelle, and an annual scholarship. Plus, when I open a Smart Start checking account, I get $100. See? I'm responsible. Hey, responsible. I'm Dad. Visit stbank.com slash smartstart for details. Bonus available July 1st through September 30th, 2022. Opening deposit balance of $50 required. Member FDIC. Amazon tiene todo lo que necesitas para tu dormitorio, desde productos esenciales hasta ropa y decoración e incluso ropa de cama para... Sí, 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 estás activas. Y si estás regulares también, ahorra en todo para la universidad en Amazon. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. We dive into stories of true crime, from unsolved cold cases, to historic kidnapping, to gangsters, and beyond. We are your source for true crime. We thank you for listening. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. I'm your host, Larry Lease. On today's episode, we're diving into the Boston bombing. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Pondex. Poddex are the hottest new tool for podcasters looking to have more meaningful conversations or gamify their podcast. Simply shuffle up, ask a question, and let the content roll. You can get yours today at poddex.com and use the code Larry21 for 10% off your order. And as always, if you want to be a part of the show, send us a voicemail at 682-305-0483. You can leave a comment about the topic we covered in the previous episode. Um, ideas for future episodes, or comments about the podcast in general. And as always, you can remain anonymous if you'd like. So today, we're diving into the Boston bombing. This is actually part one of a two-part episode. Next week, we're covering the rest of the bombing. And I actually remember 
exactly when this happened, where I was and whatnot. But the 117th annual Boston Marathon was run on Patriots Day, April 15th, 2013. At 2.49 p.m., two bombs detonated about 210 yards apart at the finish line on Boylston Street near Copley Square. The first exploded outside Marathon Sports at 2.49 p.m. At the time of the first explosion, the race clock at the finish line showed 4.09 p.m. The elapsed time since Wave 3 started at 10.40 p.m. The second bomb exploded at 2.49 p.m. 14 seconds later in one block farther west at 7.55 Boylston Street. The explosions took place nearly three hours after winning runner across the finish line, but with more than 5,700 runners yet to finish. Windows on adjacent buildings were blown out, but there was no structural damage. Runners continued to cross the line until 2.57 p.m. Rescue workers and medical personnel on hand, as usual for the marathon, gave aid as additional police, fire, and medical units were dispatched, including from surrounding cities, as well as private ambulances from all over the state. The explosions killed three civilians and injured an estimated 265 others who were treated at 27 local hospitals. At least 14 people required amputations, with some suffering traumatic amputations as a direct result of the blast. Police following emergency plans diverted all remaining runners to Boston Common and Kenmore Square. The nearby Lennox Hotel and other buildings surrounding the scene were evacuated. Immediately after the bombing occurred and medically injured people were transported, the police closed a 15-block area around the blast site. This was reduced to a 12-block crime scene the next day. Boston Police Commissioner Edward F. Davis recommended that people stay off the streets. Drop bags and packages abandoned as the owners fled from the blast increased uncertainty as to the possible presence of more bombs and many false reports were received. Simultaneously, an electrical fire at the JFK Presidential Library was initially feared to be a bomb. The airspace over Boston was restricted and departures halted from Boston's Logan International Airport. Some local transit service was halted as well. The Massachusetts Emergency Management Agency suggested people trying to contact those in the vicinity use text, text messaging instead of voice calls because of crowded cell phone lines. Cell service in Boston was congested but remained in operation, despite some local media reports stating that cell service was shut down to prevent cell phones from being used as detonators. The American Red Cross helped concerned friends and family receive information about runners and casualties. The Boston Police Department also set up a call helpline for people concerned about relatives or acquaintances to contact and a line for people to provide information. Google Person Finder activated their disaster service under Boston Marathon Explosions to log known information about missing people as a publicly viewable file. Due to the closure of several hotels near the blast zone, a number of visitors were left with nowhere to stay. Many Boston area residents opened their homes to them. Now. We're going to take a look at the investigation. The FBI led the investigation, assisted by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, the CIA, the National Counterterrorism Center, and the Drug Enforcement Agency, or Administration, excuse me. It was initially believed by some that North Korea was behind the attack after escalating tensions and threats with the U.S. Uh, U.S. government officials stated that there had been no intelligence reporting suggesting such an attack. Representative Peter King member of the House Intelligence Committee said, quote, I received two top-secret briefings last week on the current threat levels in the U.S., and there was no evidence of this at all. After being identified, the father of the two suspects claimed that the FBI had been watching his family. 
He stated that they visited his son's home in Cambridge five times, most recently in 2011, as, quote, preventative work afraid there might be some explosions on the street of Boston. Evidence found near the blast sites included bits of metal, nails, ball bearings, black nylon pieces from a backpack, remains of an electric electronic circuit board and wiring. A pressure cooker lid was found on a nearby rooftop. Both of the improvised explosive devices were pressure cooker bombs manufactured by the bombers. Authorities confirmed that the brothers used bomb-making instructions found in Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula's Inspire magazine. After the suspects were identified, the Boston Globe reported that Tamerlan purchased fireworks from a fireworks store in New Hampshire. On April 19th, the FBI, West New York Police Department, and Hudson County Sheriff's Department seized computer equipment from the apartment of the Sarnayev's sister in West New York. On April 24th, investigators reported they had reconstructed the bombs and believed that they had been triggered by remote controls used for toy cars. Jeff Bauman was immediately adjacent to one of the bombs and lost both legs. He wrote while in the hospital, quote, Bag, saw the guy, looked right at me. He later gave a detailed description of the suspects, which enabled images of them to be identified and circulated quickly. At 5.20 p.m. on April 18th, the FBI released images of two suspects carrying backpacks, asking the public help in identifying them. The FBI said that they were doing this in part to limit harm to people wrongly identified by news reports and on social media. As seen on video, the suspects stayed to observe the chaos after the explosions, then walked away casually. The public sent authorities a deluge of photographs and videos, which were scrutinized by both authorities and online public social networks. Around 7.40 p.m., a few hours after the photos were released, the Sarnayev brothers ambushed and shot Sean A. Collier of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology Police Department six times in an attempt to steal a Smith & Wesson MP45 sidearm, which they could not free from its holster because of its security retention system. Sean, age 27, was seated in his police car near the Building 32 on the MIT campus. He died soon after. The brothers then carjacked a Mercedes-Benz M-Class SUV in the Alston-Brighton neighborhood of Boston. Tamerlan took the owner, Chinese national Dun Meng, hostage and told him that he was responsible for the Boston bombing and for killing a police officer. Zokar followed them in their green Honda Civic, later joining them in the Mercedes-Benz. Interrogation later revealed that the brothers decided spontaneously that they wanted to go to New York and bomb Times Square. The Sarnayev brothers forced Meng to use his ATM cards to obtain $800 in cash. They transferred objects to the Mercedes-Benz, and one brother followed in, it in their Civic, for which All Points Bulletin was issued. The Sarnayev brothers then drove to a Shell gas station to fill up for a long ride to Times Square, New York City, to set off more explosives. But while Zokar went inside to pay for junk food, Meng, fearing that the suspects would harm him during the long drive, escaped from the Mercedes and ran across the street to the mobile gas station asking the clerk to call 911. His cell phone remained in the vehicle, allowing the police to focus their search on Watertown. Shortly after midnight on April 19th, Watertown police officer Joseph Reynolds identified the police, or identified the brothers, excuse me, in the Honda and the stolen Mercedes after overhearing radio traffic that the vehicle was pinged by Cambridge officers on Dexter Avenue in Watertown. 
Reynolds followed the vehicle while waiting for additional units to perform a high-risk traffic stop when the suspect's vehicle both turned into Laurel Street and stopped at the intersection of Laurel and Dexter. Tamerlan Sarnaev stepped out of the Mercedes and immediately opened fire on Officer Reynolds and Sergeant John McClellan, who both returned fire and requested emergency assistance over their radios. A violent gun battle ensued between Sarnaev and the aforementioned officers and subsequent additional police responding to the shots fired radio transmissions from Reynolds and McClellan in the 100 block of Laurel Street. An estimated 200 to 300 rounds of ammunition were fired, 56 of which were later determined to have been fired from the suspects. And at least one pressure cooker bomb and several crude grenades were thrown. The agencies involved in the nearly seven minute long shootout included the Watertown Police Department, Cambridge Police Department, Boston PD, Massachusetts State Police, Boston University Police Department, and MBTA Transit Police Department. Majority of the officers involved in the shootout were equipped by the respective agencies with either the Glock 22 or Glock 23 um, or the Smith & Wesson caliber pistols. MSP troopers were armed with Smith & Wesson MP45 pistols. Chambered in 45 ACP, this led investigators to match the 9mm casings and projectiles found at the scene to the suspect's 9mm Ruger P95 pistol. According to Watertown Police Chief Edward DeVoe, the brothers had an arsenal of guns. Tamerlan eventually ran out of ammunition and threw his empty Ruger pistol at Watertown PD Sergeant Jeffrey Pugliese, apologies if I'm butchering his name, who subsequently tackled him with assistance from Sergeant McClellan. Tamerlan's younger brother, Zokar, then drove the stolen SUV towards Tamerlan and the police who unsuccessfully tried to drag Tamerlan out of the car's path and handcuff him. The car ran over Tamerlan and dragged him a short distance down the street, narrowly missing the Watertown officers. Watertown Sergeant McClellan later stated that the younger brother had thought they were doing CPR on another officer and tried to run them over. Zokar abandoned the car half a mile away and fled on foot. Badly wounded, Tamerlan Zarnayev was taken into custody and died at 1.35 a.m. at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. Massachusetts Bay Transportation Authority Police Officer Richard H. Donahue Jr. was critically wounded in the leg in crossfire from other officers shooting at the fleeing vehicle, but survived. Boston Police Department Officer Dennis Simmons was injured by a hand grenade and died April 10, 2014. Fifteen other officers were also injured. A later report by Harvard Kennedy School's program on crisis leadership concluded that the lack of coordination among police agencies put the public at excessive risk during the shootout. Only one firearm was recovered at the scene, Sonayev's Ruger P95, which was found to have a defaced serial number. Records on the Honda left at the scene identified the men as two brothers whose family had m migrated to the U.S., seeking political asylum around 2002. 26-year-old Tamerlan Sarnayev and 19-year-old Zokar Sarnayev. The FBI released additional photos of the two during the Watertown incident. Early on April 19th, Watertown residents received automated calls asking them to stay indoors. That same morning, Governor Patrick asked residents of Watertown and adjacent cities and towns to shelter in place. Somerville residents also received automated calls instructing them to shelter in place as well. A 20-block area of Watertown was cordoned off and residents were told not to leave their homes or answer the door, as officers scoured the area in tactical gear.
Helicopters circle the area and SWAT teams and armored vehicles move through in formation with officers going door to door. On the scene were the FBI, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms and Explosives, Diplomat Diplomatic Security Service, HSI and ICE, the National Guard, the Boston, Cambridge, Watertown Police Departments, and the Massachusetts State Police. The show of force was the first major field test of the interagency task forces created in the wake of the September 11th attacks. The entire public transit network and most Boston taxi services were suspended, as was Amtrak service to and from Boston. Logan International Airport remained open under heightened security. Universities, schools, businesses, and other facilities were closed as thousands of law enforcement personnel participated in the door-to-door -door manhunt in Watertown. Others followed up on other leads, including searching the houses that the brothers shared in Cambridge where seven improvised explosive devices were found. The brother's father spoke from his home, encouraging Zokar to give up. You have a bright future ahead of you. Come home to Russia, he, he said. Quote, if they killed him, then all hell would break loose. On television, Zokar's uncle from Montgomery Village, Maryland, pleaded with him to turn himself in. On the evening of April 19th, two hours after the shelter-in-place order had been lifted, David Hinneberry, a Watertown resident outside the search area, noticed that the tarp was loose on his parked boat. Investigating, he saw a body lying inside the boat in a pool of blood. He contacted the authorities who surrounded the boat. Police helicopter verified movement through a thermal imaging device. The figure inside started poking at the tarp, prompting police to shoot at the boat. That's got to be expensive for that guy. According to Boston Police Commissioner Ed Davis and Watertown Police Chief DeVoe, Sokar Sanayev was shooting at police from inside the boat, exchanging fire for an hour. A subsequent report indicated that the firing lasted for a shorter time. Despite this, the suspect was found to have no weapon when he was captured. Sokar Sanayev was arrested at 8.42 p.m. and taken to Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center where he was listed in critical condition with gunshot wounds to the head, neck, legs, and hand. Initial reports that the neck wound represented a suicide attempt were contradicted by him being unarmed. The situation was chaotic, according to a police source quoted by the Washington Post, and the firing of weapons occurred during the fog of war. A subsequent review by the Commonwealth of Massachusetts provided this more specific summary. Quote, One officer fired the weapon without appropriate authority in response to perceived movement in the boat and surrounding officers followed suit in a round of contagious fire, assuming they were being fired on by the suspect. Weapons continued to be fired for several seconds until one until on-scene supervisors ordered a ceasefire and regained control of the scene. The unauthorized shots created another dangerous crossfire situation. These confusions were caused in part by a lack of clearly identified and coordinated law enforcement command of the thousands of officers from surrounding communities who self-deployed into the Watertown area during the events. And that's a wrap for today's story. As we all sh should agree, crimes are never good and bring sadness to countless people. It's important for us, though, for us to try to understand the reasoning behind such tragedies and create awareness to avoid them from happening again. Um, if you have a comment, if you want to leave a comment about the show or the topics we covered, just leave a comment in the comment section below, or you can send us a tweet at True Crime NS or on Facebook or Instagram just search True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast and as always if you want to support the show you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNS your support helps the channel grow 
and thank you so much for listening and watching and we'll see you next time you have been listening to the true crime never sleeps podcast thank you for listening you can follow us on facebook at true crime never sleeps podcast and on twitter at true crime ns and follow us on instagram at true crime never sleeps thanks for watching if you want to support the show buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash tcnn or become a patron at patreon.com slash true crime never sleeps Viator is the world's leading travel experience marketplace, offering everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. Extensive options, ease of selection, and flexibility at your fingertips help make sure your time is wonderfully spent. Viator is the place to go to book experiences that will create long-lasting moments that make lifetime memories. And Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences to choose from in over 190 countries. In fact, fact, just last year, Viator helped my family put together this amazing adventure on the island of Kona. Swimming with the manta rays, trying to avoid the barracudas, whatever your wildest dreams. If you can imagine it, Viator probably has an experience just for you. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in Viator's world of wonderful experiences. Viator. One site. Over 300,000 experiences you'll remember. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.